Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You found the place to escape from reality. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, Golden Age of Radio Tribute. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. After this Golden Age of Radio production, please visit our website, RileyandKimmy.com, for other Golden Age of Radio tributes. Also on our website, daily podcasts that include conversation about nostalgia and retro topics with trivia. Please like our Facebook page and share with your friends. Our daily podcasts are available via iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, and on our website and Facebook pages. Sometimes my friends ask me, Rocky, why can't you hold a job? That's a good question. And I don't know the answer. Maybe I just get restless or something. Anyway, whatever it is, me and steady employment don't get along. Now, you take the last job I had, steward on a big luxury liner from Bermuda to New York. I figured I'd like to see the ocean, you know? And a couple of guys were trying to help me, too. Only they wanted me to see it the hard way, from the bottom. Pardon me, Miss Nightingale. This is sick bay, isn't it? Yes. Something wrong? My heart is going pitter-pat. I beg your pardon. Nothing, blue eyes. I'm the steward from A-Deck. I came for the pills. Pills? The Germamine for Lady Droopsnoot. You know, the Duchess in A-7. Oh, you mean Lady Harkness. Yeah. Anything you say. Oh, you'll have to wait a moment for Dr. Harper. He'll be back. Mm, that's too bad. Is something wrong, Mr. Uh... Fortune. Rocky Fortune. No, why? Oh, uh... You keep staring and winking. Oh, I, uh, I've got something in my eye. I'm just trying to wink it out. Well, you better let me take a look. Yeah. Oh, just sit down there in the light. How's this? Now, uh, lean closer. Hmm, like this? A little closer. Does this make it? That's too close. Now, which eye is bothering you? Right now, both. Try the left one. Open wide. Ah! Your eyes, I mean. 
Oh. Ah. Don't be fresh. Don't be so beautiful. I don't see a thing. I do. Please, Mr. Fortune, you're not cooperating. I don't even know your name. My name is Helen Travers, R.N. For real nice? For registered nurse. Yeah. Now, about the eye, do you mind if I wash it out? Honey, you can do anything you want. Would you like to take out my tonsils or saw me in half? Anything, just name it. <laughs> you're impossible. Hold still. There. Ow! That's for being so fresh. Something wrong, Miss Travis? Oh, hello, Doctor. Uh, the steward would like some Dramamine. Oh, seasick? You don't look well. Hmm. I haven't looked well since I was nine. It's for a passenger in A7. A7? That's Lady Harkness, isn't it? That's right. I'm afraid I can't give you any more. Well, what's wrong, Doc? The chief steward was up less than an hour ago to get some Dramamine for Lady Harkness. Stuff isn't candy, you know. The chief? He just sent me up. <laughs> there must be some confusion here. I think you'd better check... All right, Doc. Sorry. Not at all. It was a pleasure. I hope your eye improves. Yeah, the wash seemed to help it a little bit. Say, maybe I could come back later on for another eyeful, hmm? I'm afraid my boyfriend wouldn't approve. Anybody I know? Yes. Yes, the chief steward. Goodbye, Mr. Fortune. Walk out on deck, still thinking about Helen Travers R.N., which stands for registered knockout, and leg it down to A deck. I get my hand on the doorknob of A7 when I hear something which ain't exactly music. <laughs> Lady Harkness! Lady Harkness! Open up! Open up! When nothing happens, I put my shoulder against the door and heave. When nothing happens, I try the knob. And it opens. I practically fall into the cabin, which is dark in the inside of a coal miner's boot. The reason I fall is quite simple. Lady Harkness is stretched out on the broad loom like a dead lizard. I take one look and reach for the phone. Give me the ship's doctor, honey. Hurry. Hello, Doc. This is Rocky Fortune. I'm in cabin A7, and the place looks like Act 2 of Arsenic and Old Lace. You better get down here before... Oop. hiding behind the door when I come in. I never know what hits me. The top of my head exploded and the floor kept coming up to meet me. Only it took a long time to fall and I must have had some crazy dreams on the way down. Rocky! Huh? What? Up here! On this cloud! Well, Helen, how'd you get away up there? I flew! Come on up! How? Fly! Are you kidding? Try it. You can fly. Spread your wings. Holy mackerel, I got wings. Flap harder. I can't make it. Maybe I've been grounded. Try again. That's it. Flap harder. I'm off the ground. Hey. Hey, I'm falling. Helen. Helen, I'm falling. Helen. I'm falling. Helen. Take it easy, Rocky. My wing, I can't fly. Who can? Come on, snap out of it. I... Hey, where am I? In sick bay. What happened? My arm... Your arm is in a cast. How come? You must have fallen and sprained it. Dr. Harper told me to put a temporary cast on it, just in case it's badly hurt. Gee, it feels like lead. What hit me? I don't know. We found you stretched out on the floor of Lady Harkness' cabin. Well, 
How's the patient? Oh, say, you look awful. We've been through that already. Oh. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, arm hurt? Not bad. Yeah, let's have a look, huh? Well, it's a nice job, Miss Travis. Thank you, Doctor. Oh, Fortune, if you can make it, the captain would like to see you. What's on his mind? Well, I don't know for sure, Mr. Fortune, but I guess it's the $50,000 worth of jewelry that was stolen from Lady Harkness. I staggered down to the old man's cabin feeling like somebody left me in one of those fancy washing machines with the dial set on rinse dry. When I get there, the reception committee included Lady Harkness, who is about 60, wears a tweed suit, and talks like an English Tallulah. The chief steward, who looks like a clothing dummy, and the old man. 350 pounds of human meanness. Close the door, steward. Aye. I believe you know Lady Harkness. Aye, aye. And the chief steward. We've had the pleasure. Sit down. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you? Uh, is this the man you saw, Lady Harkness? Young man, would you mind bending over? Me? You. Hop to it. Okay, but what for? Well, you see, it was dark and I'd been asleep. When I opened my eyes, I only saw this strange man leaning over me. I screamed and he put a pillow or something over my face before I could get a good look at him. Is this the man? Well, it might be, Captain. All right, Fortun. Straighten up. Do you mind if I sit down, Captain? I've had a hard tap on the skull. You will remain standing in the presence of a ship's officer. Thanks. No insolence. Excuse it. Now, would you mind telling me what this is all about? Fortune, there is $50,000 worth of jewelry missing from this cabin. I don't suppose you'd like to confess. Confess? Sure. I've been waiting all night to confess. You see, it was like this. Get this, Mr. Waters. Yes, sir. I crept in through the porthole, see? And Lady Harkness here was asleep. I scragged the ice. I beg your pardon. Heisted the jewels. She started to wake up, so I smothered her with kisses. <gasps> then she screamed. I saw I couldn't escape, so I called the doc on the phone. Then I carefully swallowed the jewels, hit myself on the head with a piece of stale salami, broke my own arm, and passed out. And I'd be very happy to sign a statement. That's screamingly funny, old boy. How'd you like a punch in the jaw? Just try it, Hercules. That's enough from both of you. Mr. Waters. Sir. I want Mr. Fortune's belongings searched. If you don't turn up those jewels, you have my permission to comb the entire ship from stem to stern. Yes, sir. Mr. Fortune, you may consider yourself discharged. You are confined to cruise quarters. Just a minute, Captain Bly. Uh, well? Don't you think this amateur gumshoe work ought to be left to the law? Mr. Fortune, in case you are not familiar with the maritime code, on this vessel, I am the law. <laughs> I execute a very unflattering salute with my good wing and stagger back to my bunk where I fall into the sack like a dead man. Only trouble is I can't sleep. My head aches, my arm aches, and my heart aches. And about 1 a.m. after three hours of whirling like a drunken dervish, I climb out of the hammock and head for sick bay, figuring I can pick up some sleeping pills. I get to the sick bay door just in time to hear voices inside. Don't try to give me that. I tell you, it's true. Larry. And I tell you, you're a liar. Larry, please. Nobody's going to double-cross me, Helen, particularly not my own girl. Larry, you've got to believe me. I'll give you one more chance to tell me the truth. But I told you. All right, baby. You want to play rough? Larry! No? Okay. Larry, <laughs> Good evening. Am I interrupting something? Fortune, get out of here. You know, Emily Post says it ain't polite to hit a young lady unless she belts you first. Get out. 
You all right, Miss Travis? Yes. Please, Rocky, do as he says. Sure. Anything you say. Only before I go, Chief. Yes. Here. Rocky. Yeah, I suppose they'll hang me for mutiny now. Oh, well, it was worth it. back to my pad and spend a few more restless hours trying to figure out what goes between Larry the steward and Helen Travis. In the morning, I wake up and head back to sick bay for a checkup on the arm. Ah, how's it feel? Hurts. I think I'd better x-ray in case it's a green twig fracture instead of a sprain. Does that mean you take the cast off? No, no. We can x-ray right through the cast. I'd hate to spoil Miss Travis' beautiful work. Her beautiful work weighs about a ton. How long do I wear it, Doc? I'll let you know after the x-rays. Just step over here, please, huh? Now, place your arm right here. That's fine. You just hold that, huh? Now. Just hold steady. Ah, good, that's fine. Now, you wait here. I'll go into the dark room and develop it, huh? Say, uh, Doc, is Miss Travis in this morning? No, no. She said she didn't feel well. Had a bad night, I expect. I expect she did. This will only take a minute or two. Just make yourself comfortable, huh? I sit down and slop my way through a couple of issues of National Geographic while the doc steps into the dark room. After a little while, I have a visitor. Ah, it's you. Come on in, Chief. Looking for a little medical aid? I'm looking for Helen. Oh, that's a lovely mouse you got under your eye. Did you bump into a door? Very funny. Have a seat. The doc's in the closet developing some x-rays. Is she here? Haven't seen her. Say, they find the missing jewels yet? You know darn well they haven't found them. Did you look in the captain's cabin? You know, I don't trust him. He's a sneaky character. Fortune, when we get into New York tomorrow, the police are going to have a little talk with you. And frankly, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Chief, I'm going to level with you. If you were in my shoes, I'd throw him away. <laughs> What's that? It came from the dark room. Try that door there. Uh, locked. There's another door that leads to the office. Come on. Here. <laughs> Helen. Doctor. Doctor. Holy smokes. <laughs> Is he... Stone dead. Dr. Harper. Take it easy, baby. You can't do him any good now. What happened? I don't know. I came in late. I wasn't feeling too good. I remember that he wanted me to change the developing solution because because he was going to x-ray Rocky's arm. So I went right into the dark room. First I thought I was alone. It was so dark. And then I saw him. I saw him on the floor with his scissors and his back. Eric. Larry, he's been murdered. Now, take it easy, honey. Come on, Chief. You better notify the skipper. We also better radio the New York Harbor Police to meet us. While the chief steward goes over to phone the old man, it suddenly occurs to me that I'd better have a couple of ready answers. So I go back in the little dark room to take another look at Dr. Harper and snoop a little. Just when I think I've struck oil, the skipper barges in. Fortune! Yeah? I don't want anything touched. Just window shopping, skipper. You are under arrest. What's the charge? Or don't you need one? The charge is murder. Now look, Captain. You will be placed under guard in the forward lazarette until the police board ship. Just what makes you think I slipped it to Dr. Harper? You were alone with him when the chief steward arrived. He was in the dark room. You had plenty of time to kill him and go back to the examining room. And you'll have plenty of time to pay for it, too. The rest of your life, I predict, Mr. Fortune. 
I got news for you, Skipper. As a fortune teller, you got a crack in your crystal ball. Lazarette is a small iron box down in the hold of the ship, just big enough for me, a couple of mice, and a few hundred feet of anchor chain. A couple of deckhands take turns guarding me, which consists of sleeping on a little cot just outside the bulkhead door. I get three square glasses of water a day and all the bread that me and the mice can eat. I am not happy. On your feet, Mr. Fortune. Well, well. And to what do I owe this pleasure? To the fact that I want to talk to you. Is that gun just a conversation piece, or do you always carry it? The captain authorized your guard to carry sidearms. I'm your guard for the next watch. Just the two of us? Just the two of us. How cozy. Get back against the wall and keep those hands above your head. Anything you say, Larry. I'm interested in what you say, Mr. Fortune. Concerning what? Concerning what happened to those jewels. How should I know? I say you've got them. You've been smoking Dramamine. I'll give you one more chance to start talking. And if I don't... I empty this gun at you. Wait a minute, Buster. That's homicide, remember? I can always say you tried to jump me. I don't get this. Is there a reward, or are you interested in those jewels for personal reasons? Just start talking. Okay, I'll talk. And make it good. I'll make it as good as I can. Is this good enough? I had my hands up in the air, and I brought the arm with the cast down on the top of his skull as hard as I could. He went out like a wet candle, and I cracked the plastic cast right down the middle. I was still trying to figure out my next move when I discovered we were not alone. Put up your hand. Sure, it's getting to be a permanent position. Hand me that gun. Help yourself. Robbery, murder, assaulting a ship's officer. You know, Fortune, we can make trouble for you. I suspected as much. You could save yourself some heartache by confessing where you hid the jewels. Why don't you ask the guy who heisted them? I suppose you can identify him. Your chief steward, sir. <laughs> That's an interesting bit of information. Can you prove it? No. All right, Mr. Fortune. Back in the lazarette. Will you listen to what I have to say, at least? Save it for the homicide, boys. They'll be coming aboard when we reach quarantine in the morning. <laughs> Back in the Bastille with my rodent companions. I spend the rest of the night trying to imagine what it's going to feel like when they sit me down in a Sing Sing Chippendale with wiring by Con Edison. Trouble? You'll excuse the cliche, but it shouldn't happen to two dogs because one dog couldn't handle it all. Along about daybreak, I'm nervously peeling pieces of plaster off my arm when I get the shock of my life. But before I can recover, somebody arrives. All right, Fortune. On your feet. I've been on them all night. Let's go. The police cutter should be here in 15 minutes. Now, look, Captain, before the gendarmes start working me over, I think I can crack this case. Uh -huh. I'm serious. I can trap the doc's murder in just 10 minutes. Will you listen to me? No. Well, can I at least get some medical attention? What for? This cast is falling off. And I'd hate to appear in the police lineup with a crummy cast. Might look like you twisted my arm. Uh, I'm not an unduly cruel man, Fortune. Will you let the nurse take a look at it? Atta boy, Captain. I knew that underneath that rough exterior that beats a heart of solid stone. Ten 
Ten minutes later, I am in the sick bay, feeling like an oyster which has just escaped from six months in an undersized shell and is about to be eaten alive. Rocky, I was so worried about you. Hi, baby. When the captain told me you'd broken the cast on Larry's head, I... How is he? He's sleeping it off in the captain's cabin. Let's get that new cast on your arm. How about a new arm while you're at it? Let's get the old one off. The arm or the cast? (laughs) Hey, take it easy. This won't hurt. Here, I'll just tap it a few times with this mallet. And there. What's the matter, honey? Matter? Oh, nothing. Don't kid me, baby. You look like you just shot six holes in the high 80s. There's nothing wrong. Suppose I tell you what's wrong. All right. The jewels are missing. What jewels? The Lady Harkness loot. The jewels you mixed into the plaster for this cast in my arm. You're crazy. I'm crazy like King Solomon. You and Larry boy heisted those jewels. Larry did the muscle work and conked me when I came into the cabin at the wrong moment. Then he got scared and passed the jewels to you. But... You knew that they'd searched the ship, so you put them into that plastic cast on my arm, figuring you'd get them back after the ship made port and we were all ashore. I... That's why you were so nice and sweet to me. I was worth plenty to you. You've got it all figured out, haven't you? All figured out. I even figured out why you knocked off the good doctor. Tell me. I'd be interested to know. You didn't plan on us taking any x-rays of my arm and the cast. And you knew the x-rays would show those jewels and they would fix your cute little wagon, but good. So you knocked him off and ruined the plates. I noticed the ruined plates in the dark room. Finished? I ran out of gas. You can save your breath and just put up your hands. Hmm. You too? I'm going to need a special game warden if this keeps up. Get over there against the wall. My favorite position. All right. Where are they? Where are which? The jewels you took out of the plaster cast. That's an interesting question. I'll give you just five seconds to provide an interesting answer. I don't hear you, baby. One, I can always say you tried to escape. Such a pretty girl, too. Two, I'm ready to pull this trigger, Rocky. Young and tender. Three, I mean it. Too young to have to die. Four. In the electric chair. All right, five. Hold it. Grab her. Go. Quiet down, miss. You okay, Fortune? Okay, Skipper. Except for a slight heart attack. You heard what she said? I was listening through the porthole. So what kept you? Well, I just wanted to give her enough rope to hang herself. You nearly gave her enough to include me. Oh, sorry. You know, I, I must apologize, Fortune. Mm. Until you showed me how the jewels had been hidden in your cast, I really didn't believe a word you said. Yeah, forget it. I got a dishonest face. Well, naturally, if there's anything I can do to make up for it now... Just one thing, Skipper. About my job. You remember how you threatened to fire me? Yes. Well, fire one ready, Gridley, because if you don't, I quit. saying, never look a gift horse in the mouth. With pen and cheek, I now write me a new saying. Never look a gift blonde in the eyes. She was blonde because her hair told me so. That was the only proof I had. She didn't walk, she insinuated. She was from New Orleans and her name was Lou. And believe me, brother, Lou was no lady. When I saw, I said to myself, I dig this babe. She almost dug me too, right into her grave. Uh, 
Now, don't tell me an interesting-looking man like you spends much time in an unemployment compensation line. So I won't tell you. You call the shots, baby. I'm awful easy to get along with. Yeah, I really believe that. I hate to see a capable-looking man like you standing in a place like this. I know what you mean, honey. The name's Rocky Fortune. This is not only a name, it's also a description. As fortunes go, I got the rockiest. Last week was pretty bad in the money book, so this week finds me in line. <laughs> I bet you're not too easy to keep in line. Mm. You keep up with that southern syrup, and I'm liable to wind up making like a pancake. Buy a cup of coffee? Make mine straight. You got all the sugar I need. <laughs> by the steaming brew and blonde, I thought I'd better start moving in some direction, so I took the direct route. You must have something else on your mind besides what I hope. Why don't you spill, honey? I love a direct man. Why don't you tell me something about yourself? Well, I'm not exactly ready to publish a story in my life, not till I know what rights I can hang on to. Tell my fortune first. Nice, though. I think you're about to come into some real money. I like you, Gypsy. Keep reading the coffee grounds. And I notice you never mind sticking out your neck just a little bit if there's money involved. That could be the story of my life. Yes. And you also have an unfortunate habit of getting yourself involved, and sometimes you get hurt. Keep reading me. Well, um, I-, I got me a little plan where you get just a little bit involved, where you can't possibly get hurt, and where you can make yourself some $5,000. Honey, my ears ain't wagging because of the money. I'm just fanning my face to keep a cool expression. Give. All you have to do is one teeny weeny little thing for the low me. I'll make book. I won't like it, but tell me anyway. But honey, you will like the five thousand. It's such nice money. And just what does little old me have to do for little old you to make that little old five grand? Kill my little old husband. She poured on her message of murder. So you see, honey lamb, it. It really is most embarrassing for me to be in this predicament. But there's one thing I got too much of. Yeah, it's tough to believe. From where I sit, the distribution is great. (laughs) Uh, I just love to hear you say things like that. I just love it. (laughs) Uh, Let's get back to the excess. You said you had too much of something. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's just too bad, but it can't be helped. I just have too many husbands. Too many what? Isn't it silly? Oh, that's perfectly ridiculous. I thought I just heard you say you got too many husbands. Must have misread my ears. No, you heard me right, honey. But that's illegal. Yeah, I know. That's what's so silly. It's all the law's fault. Mm, I'll make book on it. What's the story? Well, they weren't ever supposed to let Marvin out of prison, and now that the hell... Oh, so it's an ex-con you want me to bump. Oh, no, no. Marvin hadn't any dirty old money. It's Perry I got to get rid of. Who is Perry? My husband. Who is Marvin? My My husband. husband. You lost me someplace, honey. Let me tell this to myself as I now understand you, which I probably don't. You have two husbands, Marvin and Perry, both alive and both kicking. Well, Marvin's kicking because of Perry. But Perry isn't kicking because he doesn't know about Marvin. Lady, right now, I don't know about you. You just don't seem right to me. You just don't seem right. It was getting on toward evening when I made like a homing pigeon. 
The wheels in the head were whirling. The first thought was to invest in a call to Gestapo headquarters to ask my pal Sergeant Finger to run a make on the blonde. I tossed out that bright idea. Because if this dizzy dame was pulling my socks, Finger would never get off my back about it. I had a short session with the idea of going to the husband and informing him of the facts of life. Southern Friday had given me a real fancy engraved card with the address so I knew where to find him. But that notion hit the trash, too. If she is kidding, I'm a real patsy. By the time I'd reached my pad and opened the door, I decided to forget my dizzy blonde dreamboat and find myself another playmate for the evening. I reached for the light switch when something hit me. Something that hit me was more than an idea. It was more blackjack style. Before I knew what had happened, I was sailing away to Dreamboat Bay, happy with my life as an ice cream soda. The awakening came like a whoosh of cold water in the puss, which it was. Somebody tossed me a lifesaver. I'm drowning. I'm awful sorry to have to do this to you, Mr. Fortune, but it really was necessary. Oh, stop bleeding about it. I might get upset. Who are you? I'll tell you who I am after I tell you how important it is that you stay away from my honey pear. Your what? My honey pear. You shouldn't ought to be messing around with Lulu Ann. Lulu Ann? Oh. The lights are on. I'm seeing. Could you be Marvin? I sure am, Mr. Fortune. What's the story? Who belted me on the head? I did, but I'm awful sorry. Don't drown in your tears. Now, look, if you want to wrestle, Buster, just give me a chance to move in. Ah, careful now, Mr. Fortune. This here gun is sure loaded with real bullets. It would hurt me to have to kill you. I get the message. I wouldn't feel so good about that myself. So let's talk. Why massage my skull with the loaded leather? I just had to convince you that you should stay away from my honey pear. I just know she's real gone for you. Get ready to receive news, Buster, because I'm sending right now. I ain't interested in your honey pear. I think she's got a screw loose. Well, that don't make no difference. She's interested in you. Sure she's interested in me. She wants me to do a job for her. What kind of job? She wants me to bump husband number two. She's offered me five grand to bump Perry. Five grand to bump Perry? I see it all now. Isn't that downright sweet of her? If you see anything, turn on some lights for me. It's awful dark where I'm well, sitting. Well, don't you see? She knows I'd be perfectly willing to bump Perry if she asked me to. She just don't want me to get into trouble. You know, that really touches me. In the head, pal. I think you're both touched. Now, listen close to some words I'm going to read. I want no part of your honey pear or a five grand. I want no part of you. And if I ever catch you without a loaded heater in your mitts, I'm going to play Scrabble with your head. Now, Scram. Now, it hurts me to have to be unfriendly. It hurts me real bad, but I still got something to say to you, Mr. Fortune. Stay away from my honey pear, no matter how close she wants to get. And don't you worry about taking care of Mr. Perry. I'll see he gets taken care of nice and proper. Right now. <laughs> Tip Sarge finger and give him the rundown on the screw loose con and the too much married blonde. Second thought was that by the time I convinced them this comedy of murder is for real, little old Marvin would have drilled a little old hole right through little old Perry's head. 
thinking back on the running order, the only thing that convinced me the whole bit was for real was the lump in my skull. Everything else could have been a gag, but this wasn't. Next item should be to make a fast trip to the apartment of Mr. and Mrs. Perry Shane. I made the item. Even the buzzer I pushed in the swank layout looks solid gold. Yes? Mr. Perry Shane? That's right. I got to talk to you, Mr. Shane, and we better talk fast. I don't understand. You will. Just get in out of the doorway and close the door. Now, now, wait a minute. I don't like being pushed around in my own home. Who are you? Rocky Fortune's the name. Sorry for the shove, but it had to be. Now, look, I'll give it to you straight. Somebody's looking to kill you. Somebody wants to kill me? That's right. An ex-con by the name of Marvin is looking for you right now. Why does he want to kill me? Did I ever send him up? That I don't know. I didn't even know you were a mouthpiece. Incidentally, is your wife home? No, she hasn't been home all day. Do you know my wife? If that's her picture sitting on the mantel, I know your wife. Your wife, incidentally, is the reason Marvin wants to kill you. Now, before I ask you to leave, would you mind elaborating on this fantastic story of yours? Well, I guess I'm giving it to you pretty fast at that. The picture ain't very pretty, though, so I don't feel bad. Believe me, mister, your southern bell is ringing out nothing but bad news for you. She wants you dead. I don't know what this is all about, but right now I'm not interested. I don't know who you are or what your plan is, but will you please leave before I call the police? Look, mister, believe me, I know she wants you dead because she offered me 5000 to kill you. Get out. Get out now. I'd hate to have to belt you, so if I do, it's for your own protection. You better keep your hands down, Mr. Shane. No one makes accusations like that against my wife. Take it easy, Mr. Shane. Real easy now. You're going to push me too far. Get out of my house. Now sit down in that chair and behave yourself. I'm getting a little tired being shoved around. I'm the patsy in the deal, and I ask for nothing. Now listen to what I had to say. First of all, how long have you been married? That's none of your business. So it's none of my business. This bump in my noggin was none of my business either before I got it. Your wife's husband is the character who gave it to me. My wife's husband? Are you insane? I don't blame you for asking, pal. I doubted myself for a couple of minutes. Whether you believe it or not, your wife has another husband. An ex-con by the name of Marvin. You mean her ex-husband. I know she's been married before. I mean her present husband. He was supposed to be a lifer, so she never bothered to get a divorce. But the law crossed her by letting him out. Now, wait a minute. If all this is true and... Frankly, I believe none of it. Just what is your interest? Your wife put the make on me for a couple of weeks. She decided I was the kind of guy she wanted for a particular job. She offered me five grand to knock you over. Hmm. Sounds like a handsome offer. What's stopping you? A couple of things. First, the law. It's real illegal, you know. Second, you'd be real dead if I did. Those two items are stopping you from earning a $5,000 fee? What do you think? Well, you seem like a particularly bright but rough young man. If you're passing up that offer, it's only because you want more from me. That flatters me not, pal, but we'll overlook it. At least it shows you're thinking maybe Dreamboat did make the offer. I see. Uh, would you suggest I call the police and tell them a complete stranger has informed me I'm about to be killed and please send me a police escort? I'm giving you credit, so please extend the same in my direction. Well, what would you suggest? I'll make one call to the Irish clubhouse. To the what? Sorry, pal, lost my head. Irish clubhouse happens to be local police headquarters. Sergeant Hamilton J. Finger's my boy there. I'll call him, get him to give you a rundown on me, and then we'll both go over to headquarters. Well, there's the phone. Let's hope for your sake that Finger is at hand. 25th Precinct. 
Sergeant Finger. Mm-hmm. I'm here to eternity. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Frank Sinatra? Oh, you are a funny man. Finger, I'm going to put an attorney on by the name of Mr. Shane. I happen to know he's got an ex-con gun in form. Will you tell him that I don't make jokes about things like this? Now, wait a minute. Don't put anybody else on. Who's gunning for who? Sorry, pal, but I got a deadline. I got to get this guy over to the protection of your schlack house before his own line goes dead. From a bullet. So talk to the man. This is Perry Shane speaking. I don't know what this is all about yet, Mr. Shane, but if Rocky says your life is in danger, we better come over right away. Uh, just a minute, Sergeant. Since I actually don't know this man and... I don't know you. Perhaps we'd both better come right over to the precinct. It's your life, Mr. Shane. We'll be right over. And away we went. Out of the door of the plush pad, down the gilded shaft for lifting, and out under the tilted nose of a snooty doorman. Lawyer Shane's car was parked in front of the apartment. It was long, black, and shiny. Could easily be a convertible. <laughs> convertible into a hearse. We made toward the car. Shane opened the door and started to get in. He moved toward the driver's seat, but I saw it coming up and shoved him toward the ground. Hit the ground! What, ha what happened? Take a peek at that neat hole through your windshield, and you won't need any other diagrams. Now, get behind that wheel fast, and let's get out of here. Is, is he safe? Yeah, he's real gone by now. Did you see who it was? Yeah, but just pull over here right at this curb. Pull up right here somewhere. It was little old Lou's little old husband. That was Marvin. Who else would be jerky enough to try a shot like that? The hole, the hole in the windshield... It's right where I would have been sitting if you hadn't pulled me down. Save the jam until we have time for it. We got things to do. But aren't we going right over to the police headquarters? You're going right over to Sergeant Finger, 25th Precinct. Now, give me your apartment keys. I'm going to move fast. Now, I'm going right back to your apartment. You go over to the precinct and bring Finger back. On the double. Well, what are you going to... Why are... $64 questions come later. Move, quick. Goldberg stuck a bulb over my head and an idea lit up. The next move could be back to the plush pad and I want to be there to see it. I no sooner got the door open when magnolia blossoms hit my eardrums. Rocky, I'm so happy as little old you. I'll just bet you no end, please. I saw the whole thing right out this window. I was horrified. Why? I thought you wanted him bumped. Well, I do, but I didn't want you bumped. Oh, I couldn't stand it if anything happened to you. Lady, you killed me. Oh, now, Rocky, you could waste that much talent. Let's write some story now, Lady Lou. Were you camping out in the other room while I was talking to Perry? No, of course not. I was just completing my little plan with Marvin. You see, I'm... I'm afraid I had a change of heart, Rocky, I realized I'd still have Marvin as a husband, even with Perry out of the way, and that wouldn't do at all. Why not? Marvin was the banana you picked in the first place. Oh, but I got different ideas now. I want me another husband. I got him all picked out. Say, you are the one. Mm -hmm. Your little plan was just screwball enough to work, too. 
You know, this crazy Marvin's gone enough on you to do anything you want. He kills Perry for you. You, the about-to-become-black-satin-widow, testify you saw Marvin kill Perry. And the law killed Marvin because he was wicked and murdered Perry. And that leaves me minus two husbands. And plus Perry's loot. Also plus one husband, number three. And him you already picked out. Not him, Rocky. You. Me? <laughs> I'm too young to die. Oh, you're not going to die, Rocky. Together, we're going to live. I'm so sorry for you, Mr. Fortune, that little lamb picked you up. You know, I'm just downright sorry. I'll buy that. You're the sorriest sight I ever saw. I hope you got my last message. You mean about being too young to die? I received the message, but I'm afraid I got to disagree. Figures. That 38 you're packing looks mighty disagreeable. Where from in the woodwork were you hiding? I just don't understand your Yankee talk. If you mean how come I come back here after shooting that and missing Mr. Perry, why, I just had to come back to find out what Lulu Ann wanted me to do next. Oh, Marvin, honey, that's real thoughtful of you. I'm just going to give you a nice big kiss. I hate not being a gentleman, Lulu Ann, but I think maybe you better stay over there with Rocky. Why, Marvin? I'm hurt, Lulu Ann. I'm real hurt. If I hadn't heard it from your own sweet lips, I'd never believe it. I heard the whole plan you told Rocky. You wanted me dead. And that goes against my grain. Oh, but Marvin, baby, I was only telling Rocky that so I could stall him and keep him from calling the police. Now, you just go right ahead and shoot Rocky while I throw a few things in a bag. Come, Marvin, you're not going to let Slick Chick pull the black satin over your eyes like that. Get with it, man, get with it. Now, don't you go putting any of your Yankee ideas into Marvin's crowded little head. You go right ahead and shoot him, Marvin. Sure, go right ahead and shoot me, Marvin. The cops will be here in a minute. You'll burn for killing me, and little old Lulu Ann will be left with her little old money bags, Perry. Yeah, but don't you be telling him things like that. Now, I'll just turn on the radio nice and loud so the shooting won't disturb the neighbors. Don't you see, Marvin? She's got to get rid of you so that she can be legally married to Perry. Don't you believe a word he says. You go on and shoot him while the music is loud. Turn off the radio and listen to me. You make it louder. Shoot him. Wait a minute. My nerves just won't stand all this shouting and loud music. I think you're trying to confuse me, Mr. Fortune. Get ready to leave, Lulan. I'm gonna shoot him. I'm just so surprised. He was surprised. Think how I felt. Here I am staring at a thirty-eight caliber lead purveyor, and I hear the hammer click, the gunshot, I wait for the hot lead, and instead of a rainbow explosion and a puss, I see the guy and the gun fall. The explanation came from a welcome source, my pal, Sergeant Finger. Someday, Rocky, that lucky yours is going to run out. Why didn't you come down the precinct with Mr. Sheen? For the reasons which I hope you heard. Namely, the story is told by Honey, Pear, and Marvin. Did you get it all? Did we get it all? The way you were all yelling, we could have taken that story down at the precinct. Come on, Honey, Pear. We're going downtown. I refuse to move. You just have to talk to my husband. He's my lawyer. Your ex-lawyer, Lulu Ann, and your soon-to-be ex-husband. I'll start annulment proceedings tomorrow. Well, you can't annul me. Marvin's dead, and he's the only other husband I ever had. Correction, sweet dreams. 
Marvin got his hand blasted, not his head. He'll be okay in a week. <laughs> I can see you both now, walking arm in arm in your little old steel cottage, overlooking the Hudson River. In fact, if you're real sweet, I'll talk to Sergeant Finger by getting your room with a southern exposure. That's so you'll all feel at home. Nice feeling, Mr. Shane, having a lively, expensive dinner after looking at some deadly lead. Well, we both have much to be thankful for, Rocky. You keep looking at me as though you want to ask me something. You hit the nail right on my head, Mr. Shane. My nose is where it don't belong again. I mean, Honey Pear wasn't a smart chick. She was wild and screwy and about as subtle as Sophie Tucker. How come she got hooked with a smart guy like you? Oh, I was lonely, and she was pretty. She was amusing. And I happened to be a man. Need I say more? <laughs> if you do, you'll be talking too much. You look like you got something in your mind, too, Mr. Shane. <laughs> you hit the nail right on my head, too, Rocky. I was sort of thinking about you. Well, you'll have to spill without any payment for your thoughts, Mr. Shane. I'm a little low in the loot department. That's what I was thinking about. You see, I'm a very successful attorney... Frankly, I'm quite a wealthy man, and I can afford to have whomever I want around my office. I know your source of income is, uh, rather unstable. How about a job? Me? In a mouthpiece office, wearing a white collar? <laughs> well, thanks. Not for this, Moose. Well, process servers have no use for white collars, and they lead a pretty eventful life. Process server, huh? Yeah, I didn't think of that. An outside-type profession could be interesting and lucrative. I'll have to kick that around between the ears a bit. Well, while you're kicking it around, I'd like to make out a check for you for a nice, sizable uh, advance. Hmm. I'll tell you what, Mr. Shane. Me, I'm a realistic type. Make it out of my favorite charity. Which is? Cash, Mr. Shane. C-A-S-H, cash. With the tabloids whispering about unemployment in 24-point headlines, a guy out of work gets the feeling he should grab anything that comes along. So when the kind lady at Uncle's Employment Service hands me a pink slip for an interview, I say yes before I read it. And after I read it, I'm not so sure. Adventurous young man with no family connections desirous of serving mankind. Exceptional opportunity, unusual pay. Zenith Foundation, 45 Mugman Street. Experimental work, highly dangerous. I locate 45 Mugman Street, which is a shabby little building in a shabby part of town, and I haul myself up five rickety flights to an office with a glass door. Come in. Uh, is this the Zenith Foundation? It could be. I got a slip. Let's have it. Fortune, huh? Rocky Fortune. No family? None to speak of. Turn around. What for? Because I say so. Anything you say, pal. Take out your wallet and toss it here. Oh, is that kind of dodge, huh? There's only three bucks in it. Take it easy. I have to check it. Okay, you're holding the artillery. Right, let's have a look. No pictures. Home address, 55 Bleakman Street. What kind of a place? Rooming house. Honorable discharge from the Army. Three citations. Where? Anzio. 
Health good? Terrible, but I ignore it. Driver's license, chauffeur's license, hack, steamfitters union, maritime card, truckers. You're a drifter, huh? Yeah, I've been around a lot. How come? I get restless. I was born that way. You go away for a long time ever? Yeah, three, four months. So nobody would miss you particularly? Not particularly. You clean? You mean jail? I mean everything. Police record, prints, booked. Clean. All right, turn around. As you want it. One, two, three bucks. Yeah, it's all there. Okay, Fortune. You can meet the boss. I'm not so sure I want to. Is this thing legit? It is not only legitimate, it's top secret. Let's go. Where? Utah. How's that? That's where the job is, a ranch in the Utah desert. Oh. Well, I'll pack my stuff and notify the landlady. You won't need the stuff. We supply the uniforms and equipment. You can write your landlady. It's better that way. And what'll I tell her? Tell her you're going away. You're going to go a long ways. You'll be gone for a long time. Tell her... Tell her you may never come back. Two hours later, Milton, that's the bum's name, and me are on a plane headed for Utah. I still don't know where or why I'm going or what I do when I get there, but I figure any kind of a job is better than starvation. Besides, I can always quit. I keep telling myself. Okay, Chester, set it down. Is that it? That's it. Hey, that's pretty deserted. How come they got such a big house on the middle of the desert? The house belongs to boss. Ah, this is where we get out. Ah, let's go. We head for a big house that looks like somebody moved an old castle over from Scotland piece by piece. Out behind the castle is the biggest barn you ever saw. Only something tells me cows can't live on sand, so it must have something else inside. What really gets me, though, is the barbed wire all over the joint. We head for the main entrance. Halt! It's okay, Harvey. Oh, it's you, Mr. Milton. The boss inside? Yeah, he's in there with the professor and his secretary. We'll just go right in. What a layout. This way. Come in. Well, Milton, I see you found a man. Now, Rocky Fortune, this is Colonel Sam Jones. The Sam Jones? The man who owns half the oil wells? All the oil wells, boy. All of them. Oh, glad to know you. This is Professor Von Gluck. A pleasure, I'm sure. And Colonel Jones' secretary, Helen uh, Crandall. My pleasure. You're from New York, aren't you? Brooklyn. So am I. Isn't, Isn't it a small world? world? Sure. Yeah. I think before we continue our discussion, we should inform Mr. Fortune of why he was selected for the job. Uh, by all means. Mr. Fortune, as you know, I'm a wealthy man. So my broker tells me. Well, about a year ago, I became interested in science fiction. You know, reading the magazines about rocket ships and men from Mars. Dimension X. The only thing is, Mr. Fortune, those magazines are not as far-fetched as you might think. I'm still with you. Much of them is devoted to genuine scientific study. I think you're losing me now. Well, to put the whole thing into a coyote's here, I got to reading about the research the Army is doing on space travel. You mean space travel? Exactly. For example, did you know that the Army now has a whole department of space medicine? Did you know, sir, that rockets are being devised which have already gotten past the pull of the Earth's gravity? I seem to remember a picture of some mice in a rocket. They were kind of floating upside down or something. Uh, exactly. Well, sir, I began corresponding with a magazine telling of my interest. Then one day I saw an article by Professor Van Gluck here announcing a new type rocket ship he'd invented. 
Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Go on, Colonel. Well, to put the whole thing in a coyote's ear, I decided to devote the remainder of my life to helping develop interplanetary travel. You just lost me. I established, with the professor's help, the Zenith American Foundation for the Promotion of Interplanetary Travel, commonly known as Zephyr. Zephyr. Mm. That's clever. Where do I fit in all this thing? Well, I'm coming to that, son. Well, sir, it wasn't six months before we got the professor's rocket off the drawing board and into the pilot model stage. And that's what we're working on now. I should explain that the final rocket will be some 20 stories high and will carry a crew of 212. The pilot model is only three stories high and carries a crew of one. That's you. No, Mr. Fortune. That's you. Yeah, well, it's been nice. I enjoyed the plane trip. You got a nice little uh, shack here and I'll see you around. Just a minute, Jack. You ain't leaving till the colonel is finished. Now look, pal. Now you look. I'm looking. And I'm staying. Just hear me out, son. I got no choice. Continue. Well, the professor here shows me this model is absolutely foolproof. All you got to do is let us shoot her up to the ionosphere and fall back to Earth. Fall? She's equipped with chutes that open when she strikes the Earth's atmosphere. Colonel. And in recognition of your service... I ain't going to do it, We Colonel. will pay you... I don't care how $10, much you... $10,000. You pay me, I... In cash. When do I leave? You'll do it. Did you say ten grand? Okay. I'll do it. Colonel, the way me and money have been separated lately for ten grand, I'd fly to the moon on a Roman candle. Good boy. Professor, you've got your man. That's it. They give me a room with a view of Salt Lake Desert and all the room service I can tolerate. I kind of feel a little tired, so I stretch out for a snooze. But I'm no longer alone. Who's that? It's me. What's the shh about? I don't want them to hear me. Who's them? The professor and Milton. Well, in that case, maybe you ought to shut the door. Okay, what's on your mind? I, I came to warn you. Okay, warn me. Get away from here. I like it here. They'll kill you. Yeah, I'm going to die one way or another anyway. Please, I'm not joking. Look, Miss Crandall, maybe you better get to the point, huh? The rocket ship that... Shh. Somebody's coming yeah, let's make like we're necking. Well, well. Doesn't anybody ever bother to knock in this joint? I see you and Miss Crandall are getting acquainted. I was just showing her a few holes. I used to be a wrestler. Flyweight. You don't waste much time. I don't have much time, pal. I may be on my way to Mars in a couple of days. The professor wants to show you the ship. Fine. Where to? Stop back in the barn. We go out into the barn, which is a three-story concrete building with what looks like a silo at one end. We go through five sets of electric doors, and I find out it ain't a wheat silo at all. It's a rocket ship, the same kind you see in the comic books, all shiny and streamlined. So we walk over to the colonel and the professor standing near the platform. There she is, my boy, the colonel's lady, named to myself. Yeah, it's very nice, only one thing. Yes? Does it fly? <laughs> I love this boy! Son, this ship has inside it the greatest development in engine since Einstein opened the atom. She'll fly from here to eternity if we wanted to. How about a look inside? Well, now, I... Absolutely verboten. I will not risk having any foreign agents steal my design. Buster, do you remember me? I'm supposed to fly this harpoon. When the time comes, all you will have to do is step inside. All controls are preset. Just the same, I'd like to look around. Absolutely verboten. You've said that before. Okay, but just remember, I might decide to quit. Mr. Fulton, 
Once I have introduced you to my secret designs for space equipment, it will be too late to quit. You understand? Uh, what the professor means, boy, is once you're in on the secrets, we, uh... We can't permit you to leave, so it's up to you, Mr. Fortune. Okay, fellas, I'm in. I got back to my room to think things over. And it occurs to me that maybe I'd better get a gander at the inside of that chromium nightmare out in the barn before I really commit myself on this job. So I wait for dark and then sneak out back. There's a guard standing out outside the hangar, and I strike up a conversation with him. Halt! Oh, hi, Emil. Oh, it's you, Mr. Fortune. Yeah, I left my cigarette case inside. Uh, can I get it? Um, oh, I guess it's all right. The professor's inside working on the ship. Thanks, pal. Emil opens the doors, and I go inside. Professor and Milton are inside a little glass office over a drawing board. I can hear him talking as I sneak past. What do you think, Hans? Another hundred thousand will do it. You think he'll go for it? Of course he'll go for it. Okay, I'll make out the bills of laden. What should I make it? Platinum and platinum for the preheating coils. Oh, you better spell it. I'll write it for you. Maybe we should lay off. Huh? Nonsense. Well, I suppose you're right. Our well, fuel supplies already. I put them in the tanks this morning. Coke. We have to be careful. What was that? Mice, probably, but sound like somebody in the hangar. Well, you better check. We can't take a chance at this point. Okay. Anybody out here? Anybody here? If you're out here, you better come out now or you'll be dead. <laughs> mice they heard was me and my big feet stumbling up the ladder to the inside of the ship. So I make the rest of the trip with my shoes off. But it's touch and go all the way when Milton starts to climb the ladder behind me. Now there's nothing to do but slip into the cabin of the ship, which is as black as the inside of a ballpoint pen. And I'm praying that Milton will get tired of climbing, but I hear his feet on the iron steps. You see anything? Nope. Well, check the inside of the ship. Okay. Uh, turn on the lights. The lights go on, and I dive into a locker marked fuel tank. Don't open. I get the lid on just as Milton sticks the muzzle of his forty-five into the cabin. Anybody in here? You see anything? It's empty. All right. Come on down. I'll switch off the lights. When I hear Milton go down the steps, I strike a match to see where I'm located. I put it out in the biggest hurry since Paul Revere's ride. The fuel tank is loaded to the giblets with sticks of ordinary blasting dynamite. So I climb out and decide maybe I better have a look around, which I do. What I find is so interesting, I don't even notice it when the door of the cabin slides open again. Okay, Fortune, get him up high. I thought you left. I did. But the guard mentioned that you were inside. You came up quiet as a mouse. Or should I say a rat? What you say don't matter much, because you won't be able to talk at all pretty soon. Ah, I see Mr. Fortune has been snooping around. That's right, pal, and I've seen some pretty fascinating things, too. Really? Uh-huh. This is a real crazy rocket ship you got here, man. In what way, Mr. Fortune? Well, for instance, you take them bulkheads. They're the first genuine 12-ounce canvas duck bulkheads painted to look like metal I've ever seen. Also, they mark Property Room, Magnum Picture Studios, Incorporated. And you take them two-foot walls over there, solid tin. Or that phony control room with the stovepipe rocket tubes. 
This thing's built like a cardboard display model. Mr. Fortune is very observing. Ain't he? Yeah, very unfortunate habit. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate for you characters when the colonel finds out you milked them for five million bucks to build a ship out of old beer cans. It would be if he found out, but he won't. Sooner or later, he'll poke around. No, Mr. Fortune. You see, tomorrow morning, we make our test flight. Pal, you couldn't get this erector set off the ground with a derrick. We aren't interested in getting it off the ground. You may have noticed the rather unusual fuel we carry, trinitrotoluene, known as TNT. Hmm. I begin to see it. Yes. When the initial rockets go off, there will be a case of acute engine failure. The ship will go up in a cloud of dust, and Milton and I will retire to a small island with three and a half million dollars to try to figure out what went wrong. Oh, brother, what a swindle this is. It is a masterpiece, isn't it? Yeah, and I was slated to go up in the smoke along with the ship. Unfortunately, yes. We had to hire someone to make it convincing. Rocket to the moon, they say. You ought to call it rocket to the morgue. For you, Mr. Fortune, it will be exactly that. You see, you are going to make the journey as planned. Milton jabs his persuader in my spine and marches me back to the house. I spend a quiet night staring down the muzzle of a forty-five, And the first thing in the morning, Professor knocks on the door, lugging what looks like 50 pounds of old inner tubes. Milton! Is everything ready? I informed the colonel we're testing the ship at eight o'clock. Here, Fortune, climb into this. What is this? A spacesuit, complete with two-way radio communication and oxygen. If you press this button, you'll be able to communicate with whomever has the earphones for the receiving set. That's me. Yeah, like a walkie-talkie, huh? Uh-huh. Here's the receiver, Milton. All right, Mr. Fortune, into the suit. Now, wait a minute. Is this thing guaranteed to work? A guy can suffocate inside a sack like that. It will work as long as you will need it, Mr. Fortune. About one hour. the Buck Rogers outfit, and Milton screws the aluminum helmet on my head. By the time he gets finished strapping on the lead boots and the oxygen tanks, I look like Martian Sam the Minstrel Man. Milton turns on the oxygen, and we go outside where the Colonel and Helen Crandall are waiting for us alongside a jeep. Ah, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Everything ready for the big moment? Everything is in order. We've just tested Mr. Fortune's spacesuit. He seems agitated. What's he saying? Turn on a two-way receiver and listen on the earphones. What is it, Mr. Fortune? Get me out of this thing. I can't breathe. What's his he name? says he's impatient to start the experiment. That isn't what I said. Colonel, it's a fraud. They're going to blow this whole thing up. What's he say? He says he feels confident he'll make it all the way to the moon. Bully for him. Oh, you dirty rotten... Uh, no point in wasting the batteries. The ship is ready, gentlemen. Shall we go? Well, now, before we get into the jeep, I think we should drink a toast. I have a small flask here. That's a good idea. There you are. To the success of our noble experiment. Now, to that heroic gentleman who's going to make this historic flight, Mr. Rocky Fortune. Uh, Fortune! Fortune! He's driving off! Archie, come back here. Come back, I warn you. He's going right through the barbed wire. So long, Milton. Get the car after him. See you on Mars, pal. I gun the jeeps through the barbed wire and make it with a few punctures. I take off across the desert until the buggy won't go anymore. And I head for the rocks on foot, which ain't easy when you're wearing lead boots. The trouble with these space suits is that you can't get out of them without three mechanics and a blowtorch. Anyway, after about 20 minutes of dragging myself along, I'm surprised to contact what looks like a human being, but I can't be sure. 
Easy there, Minnie. Easy, girl. Uh, let's just settle down here and cook up some grub. Sure gets lonesome prospecting out in these rocks, huh, girl? Yes, sir. Three months on this desert, a man's liable to start seeing things. Hey! What's that? It's me! Holy smokes, the Martians are landed. Take to the hills. Oh, the pup getting out of the suit. Hey, we got to keep calm, Minnie. Maybe it's a friendly Martian. Of course, I'm friendly getting me out of this suit. Sure does talk funny. Meet the Earthman. Friend. You got that? Me, Earthman. He's fighting to my knife, Minnie. What do you suppose he wants? Get me out of the suit before I suffocate. The oxygen's running out. I can't understand your lingo, Mr. Martian. I'm suffocating. <coughs> Help. Why, he's fainted, Minnie. What do you suppose is the matter with him? Maybe we'd better get him out of that there crazy suit. The oxygen gives out, and all of a sudden the world has a quick blackout. When the lights go on inside my brain, I'm flat on my back in very familiar surroundings. Looking down on my baby blues is the ugly face of my good friend Milton. Oh, <coughs> what happened? Take it easy, pal. Coming out of it, Prof. It's fine. Oh, you. Where am I now? In the rocket ship, pal. The old the prospect of the desert. The old prospector took you out of that spacesuit just in time. Uh, how did I get here? When he saw you were just a man, he tied you to his mule and brought you right to the house. Convenient, huh? Swell. So the professor and me took you back into the ship to get you ready for the trip. Ah, uh, you scum. Make sure he's tied up, Milton. I'll go down and keep the colonel cooled off. Right. And as soon as you get clear of the launching platform, I'll set off the chart. I hope you don't make it, you punk. Thank you. Well, Mr. Fortune, bon voyage. There I am, right back in the soup. The professor goes down the iron ladder and Milton bends over to tie me up. I don't have enough strength left to lick a postage stamp, but I figure it's now or never. So I make the supreme effort. Hold still. I'm ticklish. You won't be for long. Listen, before you tie me up, one favor, huh? Go on. I'll bend over. I'm too weak. I'm too weak to shout. What's on your mind? This oxygen tank is on my mind. What about it? I'd like to put it on your mind. Don't ask me how I did it, but somehow I managed to tip over one of those iron tanks over into Milton's head. He goes out like a sick firefly. I know I'll never leave the hangar alive, but the professor can help it, so I decide to change clothes with my muscular friend Milton. It takes a couple of seconds, and I pull down the hat, take his gun, and climb down the ladder. Two seconds later, I'm out of the barn and head for the concrete shelter where the professor and the colonel are going to watch. Here comes Milton. We'll give him time to get clear. I can't understand what made that boy chicken out at the last minute. We managed to convince him to go through with it. Colonel, don't let him do it. Ah, nonsense, girl. This is a historic moment. Ready, Milton? He's waving his hat. Let her go, professor. Right. Everybody all right? I'm all right. What happened? The fuel tanks must have exploded. Poor Rocky. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, ain't it a shame, though? What? Don't move, Herman, or I'll blast your skull. What's the meaning of this? Fortune, why aren't you on your way tomorrow? I found out I forgot to buy a round-trip ticket, Colonel. Sir, I demand to just know... Just go over and take a look at that load of junk that this swindler just blew up inside your barn. Junk, sir? I... 
don't believe him. These characters swindled you out of five million bucks, Colonel. That rocket ship is nothing but paper mache and mucilage. Oh, he's insane. Am I? Here. Here's a piece of metal that blew out of the barn just a minute ago. Well, that does look like a part of the tail fin. Yeah, on one side it looks for real, all shiny silver paint. But if you turn it over, it's the first tail fin you ever saw that says Rappaport selected sardines. Let's go, Professor. Why? Why, the boy's absolutely right. I tried to tell you. You swindling coyote, I ordered. Save it, Colonel, save it. The government's got a place for this character. And it ain't built out of old beer cans either. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.